0: Hello, friend, and welcome to Conversations with My Higher Self podcast. This show is about spirituality, higher realms, the mysteries of the universe, and source consciousness. I use hypnosis to get into a deep theta state where I am able to connect to and embody my higher self. What unfolds is a monologue that is dictated by the state of the divine flow as well as any questions I might receive from the human collective consciousness. Enjoy! Hello, hello, beautiful soul, and welcome to another episode of Conversations with My Higher Self. So exciting to see you here today. We have a wonderful topic to cover. I cannot wait before we dive
1: into the topic of today. Just... One quick housekeeping item. If you haven't checked out my second podcast called Our Secret, sorry, Our Sacred Universe is the name, then you should. Our Sacred Universe is a podcast that is fully devoted to guided meditations, guided journeys, and it is what I call the heart space. It is our place to go, unwind, de stress, and meditate together. So if you haven't checked, that one out yet you should it's what I think about two weeks old now and yeah it is off to a great start I think we've uploaded about five plus meditations there and a lot more is coming so check it out on that note why don't we dive right in the topic today is really exciting I felt cold to start talking to you about elementals Elementals is um, a topic that is near and dear to my heart. Um, I work a lot with elemental energies. At some point, I uh, made a couple of episodes, a few episodes actually on the elements themselves, the four elements, water, fire, earth, and air. Uh, Today, we're going to be building on those concepts. And um, the first elementals we're going to be talking about are the fire elementals. So today is going to be all about the element of fire and the fire elementals or the creatures that belong to the kingdom of fire, if you will. I find that on planet Earth, a lot more people are familiar with the concept of spirit guides, angels and demons, and even the higher self these days than they are with the concept of elementals which is a shame. Traditionally, right, if you guys had a spiritual education growing up, you would study elementals way before you started. You would study like true high dimensional spirit realms Um, for many reasons. A, elementals are the creatures that are living around you. They are in your vicinity, whether you realize that or not. They are closer to you. Than the angel realm. Um, They are closer to you than your higher self. And as such. They could be instrumental. In what you're trying to accomplish. In your day-to-day life. It used to be so. You know. In certain periods of the history of humanity. And other civilizations on planet earth. Elementals used to carry a lot more prominence. Now they are the realm of the forgotten largely and it is only very few humans that are aware of the extent that the elemental kingdom is present on the planet today and even fewer people understand how to work with the elementals and how they can help and assist so hopefully we can start You know, dispelling some myths, uh, establishing some truths, and covering some ground that has been uncovered for many, many years. So today we're going to start with the fire elementals. I love the element of fire. Fire is interesting. I talk a lot about fire. Essentially, every uh, every single episode we did around the sacred flames is us talking about heavenly fire fire is the you know, the highest frequency um, of the four elements. Now, of course, it also spans the gamut. You have your third dimensional fire and you have your eleventh dimensional fire, right? And not every type of fire is created equal. Fire elementals are some of the lesser talked about elementals and we're gonna probably down the road cover um, all, all kinds of elementals but I figured we'd start with fire. This episode is meant as a general overview. Obviously we're gonna have some time for questions towards the end of the episode. And again, it is meant to be more of an FYI, you know, what kind of uh, elementals exist in the fire arena? Um, what are their properties? You know, any, you know, some fun facts that we wanna share with you. And then how can you work with them? right? So there will be some practical, you know, thoughts and assistance here as well in these episodes per usual, because I don't love keeping things purely theoretical. On that note, why don't we dive in? There is not a lot of common language to talk about elementals on planet Earth that I'm happy with. There is a school of thought that you know, around the classification of elementals that was started back in the 16th century by um, an alchemist by the name of Paracelsus. Um, he classified um, elementals into four major parts. Um, again, water, fire, earth, and air. And he gave each of them pretty random names, if you ask me. So he used the word salamanders, to describe fire elementals. While I don't love it, and I'll explain to you in a quick second why, why don't we use this common terminology? Because this is the most prominent terminology on planet Earth today, and we'll just go with the flow on this one. Um, So salamanders is what Paracelsus used to describe the different kinds of fire elementals as a class of beings. Um, Because of that, and partially because of that, There has been a misconception in the collective of humanity that somehow salamanders or fire elementals are lizards or reptilians or somehow connected to the reptilian kingdom, which is not correct, actually. Some people, some beings, some humans that have communicated with fire elementals would tell you that they sometimes come across as like lizards but it's almost like fire lizards if anything and um, frankly I think it is doing you know thinking of these beings as the beings of a reptilian descent is almost doing them a disservice so I wanted to dispel that myth fire elementals you guys have nothing to do with lizards just saying now that being said unless we wanted to call them embers or sparks, you know, I don't necessarily have a better name for them. So why don't we call them salamanders? And it's fine. But, you know, just to put it out there, it does create a misconception in a lot of people that somehow all fire elementals are lizards or related to lizards. Uh, There are some, but not all and not in the way that I think most people think. All right, so starting uh, first things first is how, you know, I would refer to the first class of these beings um, are essentially, um, you know, let's let's refer to them as embers if we want or sparks of fire. And those are essentially beings that live in all kinds of third-dimensional fires, whether we're talking a candle, whether we're talking, you know, uh, the fire in your stove, whether we're talking about You know, the bonfire, whether we're talking about fireworks, any type of third dimensional fire, um, you know, there are beings, sparks of fire that live within or these salamanders if you want to use the traditional terminology. Um, These beings exist in a dormant phase up until you light the fire up. When the fire is lit up, it is like an invitation for these beings come into your vicinity and show themselves so every time you light a fire or light you know any type of you know candle again if you're starting to make food on the stove you are bringing those elementals and you're essentially aren't enlisting their help in your daily activities right um one thing and maybe let's take a quick step back before we go into like heavier into the classification and you know what this means. Humanity does not have a relationship with elementals as it stands for the most part. Humans are unaware that elementals surround us and humans are really ill adept at building relationships with those creatures because humanity has stepped arguably too far into the um, the loss of the third eye area, <laughs> you know, if if we were to define this territory. So essentially, humanity has divided the world into two aspects: the visible world and you know the invisible world, which for the most part is considered non-existent. Right? It's very hard for humans to acknowledge things that they cannot see as real apart from the things that science has confirmed is real, such as gravity. Nobody has seen gravity, but, you know, everybody believes in gravity. But really, you know, there needs to be almost like a common agreement with humans to believe that something that they cannot see is real. Otherwise, it's extremely hard for humans to call it such because they cannot see it. The reason humanity cannot see it is because historically, right, or shall we say, um, in terms of our divine blueprint, Human beings are meant to have three eyes and not two. And I don't mean three eyes in a physical sense, right? The third eye is always meant to be an etheric eye. And it is always, it has always been meant to become this center of perception that is above and beyond the physicality of 3D. Now, because humans have a third eye that is largely atrophied, largely non-existent and completely dormant, That is how the elemental kingdom went into this realm of unknown or this realm of unacknowledged. Human beings impact the surrounding uh, territories or any, frankly, place that they live in quite significantly. So by not feeding the elemental kingdom with the energy of their attention and recognition, the elemental kingdom is actually shrinking. It's not growing. And because of that, you know, certain parts of the earth that historically have been tended uh, to by the elemental kingdom are getting into the place of disuse and disrepair. Uh, Again, because those, you know, elementals, are, there are not enough of them to take care of those spaces. And on top of that, you know, humanity in and of itself is becoming quite detrimental to the planet. So there are a slew of things that are going on. But the reason I wanted to talk to, to you about elementals is because as we are broadening our awareness around those creatures, more and more people will have a chance to meet them. More and more people are going to have a chance to develop a relationship with them, which actually is a good thing because it helps us uh, go back to a state of equilibrium, right? Acknowledging an energy that exists as being real helps nurture and feed that energy and starts establishing symbiotic relationships. The relationship between humanity and elementals is always meant to be symbiotic. The problem, of course, is if you don't believe that something is real, you cannot have a relationship with it in the first place. And so the relationship with humanity and elementals, again, is not real as planet earth is growing in terms of its capacity to receive high vibrational energies more and more people are starting to awaken more and more people are starting to develop their third eye connection more and more people are starting to come in contact with elementals and that's the good news you guys and hence we're having this conversation right now because more and more of you are beginning to have relationships and you enough of you knowingly so and notice these creatures that you've never noticed before, right? And that is wonderful. That is how it's always been been meant to be. Um, Okay, so that's that. Uh, Again, big picture elemental stuff. Elementals could be some of your best spirit guides. Why? Like I said, they're right here with you. And so they have a very direct telepathic tie to you. Connection with elementals has always been telepathic. Communication with elementals has always been telepathic. Uh, They don't speak in a traditional sense. Um, So they use telepathy. Um, Because they are in our vicinity or in your vicinity, hearing them is easier and perceiving them, shall I say, is easier than perceiving your spirit guides or other beings that are a lot more higher dimensional and higher frequency, right? Right? So that's why this can be a really, really good stepping stone for you into, you know, communicating with the unseen world, right? In some ways, it is easier to start with Elemental Kingdom. Now, not every person, not every human is going to have the same propensity for having a relationship with the different kinds of Elementals, it happens so that each of you has one or two most prominent elements within your body, and you're really more more so around your energy field and, and, and your proficiency with certain energies. Um, some people tend to be, you know, carrier, or like it, it's, it's, what I mean by that is, you may be a carrier of a particular energy, but also you may be working naturally well with certain energies and not so well with others. What does that mean? That means that depending on what elements rung stronger with within you personally at soul level, um, and that is obviously always translated into the physical, that would determine very much which elemental kingdom you have the strongest ties to, and therefore you're most adept at building relationships with, if that makes sense, right? So if you are a person who is... A fire energy type of person, it will be a lot easier for you to establish ties and build strong relationships with fire elementals. But you may not, for instance, if your you know water element is really weak, it may be harder for you to build connections with water elements. And you know, down there, we're also going to talk about how do you know, you know, if you're have a weak or a strong connection with uh, you know fire elements we can talk all through that as well because there are some signs kind of in the physical to be able to tell in other words whatever we're going to be covering today is just one element you guys so if you listen to me and you don't feel like you're resonating with these particular creatures that we're going to be talking about today that is completely normal that is completely fine you know that just means that Next time I make an episode about another type of elemental, just watch out for the clues and the signs. It could just be that fire is not the element you should be working with. However, just an FYI, it's always good information. All right. So I started talking to you about, you know, the most common salamanders, right? Which are really representatives of all kinds of third-dimensional fire, you know, ranging from the very smallest, such as the candle, And then down to the very, very large, such as, for instance, the elementals that live inside of a volcano, right? So anytime you have a third dimensional fire, you would have fire elementals. In a candle, there's generally between one and three elementals for each candle every time you invoke that flame, just FYI. And for instance, if we're talking about a volcano... There could be millions upon millions of different elementals of different sizes, actually, that live inside there. And why don't I use just for simplicity's sake? Let's just call them salamanders. Um, salamanders can range from two inches in in terms of size up to about um, about half a mile, uh, which I know is huge, right? Um, Those types of elementals that are really, really huge tend to live in the crust of planet Earth. And um, those um, are sometimes called foundationals. Um, Foundationals is not an elemental that we're going to go over in much detail. um, But foundationals are kind of like the original elements um, and the original creatures that came together when the planet Earth was first created. There are, you know fire foundationals, there are water foundationals, earth foundationals and air foundationals. They are kind of like the building blocks of this time space reality. So as, as far as fire foundationals are concerned, the most important ones are the ones that live in the nucleus of planet Earth, the magma of the Earth, right And towards the very center of the planet. Those were, you know, the first actually fire elementals to arrive on planet Earth. Those are also the ones that are the largest in size. Granted, they're not the ones that tend to communicate with humanity that often. Um, And if they do, they would only communicate with the people, beings, shall I say, that operate on a planetary level. So they're not necessarily, foundationals are not going to talk to anybody below a certain pay grade. Um, And, you know, and the reason I'm bringing this up is because I just want you to understand kind of like the 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 differences and also you know what kind of elementals should you you know try to build a relationship with and which kinds maybe not so much. Foundationals are not the the types of elementals that actively seek to have a relationship with humans. Now it may be so that depending on your mission foundationals could be beings that you come across uh, more often than not but it is very, very rare. Now there are other uh, fire elementals that live in the crust of planet Earth. And again, all of these volcanic, like volcanic, like magma- type of beings inside of different volcanoes are um, a similar type of elemental, but not all of them are called foundationals, um, but you know, all of them would be potentially referred to or could be referred to as uh, fire element elementals or salamanders. All right. So they range in size and um, they um, they actually have a little bit of a troubled relationship with humanity. Maybe not the foundationals, but like the smaller type um, salamanders. Um, the ones that are from two inches long to about four to five feet long you know those are kind of like the the bulk of um elementals in in the fire arena are between these two sizes for instance like in the forest fire you know you may have the larger ones especially if it's like a blazing fire but of course in your candle you'll have the baby ones one thing that is worth noting as you're starting to connect with these beings is they have a quite quite a troubled relationship with humanity um for many reasons, uh, but I would say the more recent trouble in paradise has been during the times of alchemy. So, in uh, in the Middle Ages, especially in Europe, um, alchemy was very much prevalent as a science, as a philosophy, if you will, as an as, um, you know a, an occult, esoteric field of study. The problem is, at the time, uh, humanity was not at its heightened stage in terms of spirituality and awareness in general. So you have, essentially what that means is the level of heart energies was very low in the Middle Ages, potentially lower than it is right now. At the same time, at the same time, humanity had certain teachers um, of, in the etheric realm willing to teach humanity magic and magic tricks, and the occult, and all of those. And that is really the genesis of alchemy. Alchemy, from a higher perspective, doesn't have to be dark. But how alchemy was taught to humanity at the time was not necessarily of light. And what I mean by that is this. There is one big difference between light and darkness and as much as I hate dividing the world in, into these two buckets from a higher perspective, for planet Earth, it makes sense because planet Earth is a planet of division. So the, big, the biggest difference, right, if we we're trying to draw the line between creatures of light and creatures of darkness, the biggest thing that would separate them is this. The creatures of light believe and respect the free will. And the creatures of darkness do not. Um, in other words, the creatures of darkness believe that as long as it serves them, it doesn't matter who it hurts, it's fine. Whereas the creatures of light believe that we're all part of this, I don't know, one circle of unity, if you will. And hurting another, by hurting another, you hurt yourself. So the creatures of light don't hurt others because they don't want to hurt themselves, but also they believe in the free will and they would never make another being do something that that being doesn't want to do. So when I say humanity was taught by certain dark creatures uh, in alchemy, alchemy was just a modality, a magic modality that was taught to humanity at the time. Unfortunately, what came through was a lot of dark teachings. Alchemy, just for the record, in and of itself is not bad. Neither is it good for that matter, it just is. However, the flavor and the sauce under which it was presented to humanity was not of light. And as such, it was actually propagating personal power over anything and everything else. And that is where the relationship between humanity and the fire elementals was incredibly and completely messed up. The reason for that is because the t- the beings that taught humanity alchemy had um, they, they essentially taught humans to abuse certain elemental classes mm-hmm. for their gain. And so alchemists of the old were using fire magic quite a lot were attempting to use fire magic not everybody quite successfully but paracelsus quite successfully just for example and one of the ways that they did that like they they practiced magic was through the help of fire elementals specifically um you know embers right so like like Actually, smaller fire elementals. So they were like between three and ten inches in in size. Fire elementals that they trapped inside of pentagrams, and the reason the alchemists did that is because they required um, their the process of transmutation um, in the Middle Ages required uh, fire energies, high frequency fire energies. Um, For transformation, so it the one way to turn lead into gold or a base metal into gold was through the use of high frequency fire, high vibrational fire that would be perpetually burning for quite a prolonged amount of time. And also there were different fire configurations that alchemists had to make. One of them was a fire bolt or a sphere of fire that was quite impossible to recreate given what technology was without fire elementals. And so fire elementals were used quite extensively in alchemy studies. Now, I know as I'm scanning the collective right now, some of you are like, what is she talking about? She, she, she does know alchemy is not real, right? Uh, I hate to break this to you guys. Alchemy was a very real. It was... You know, there were beings out there, there were people out there that were very successful uh, in transmuting base metals into gold and all kinds of other things. You know, what you know of alchemy is like really scratching the surface. There were all kinds of other not so kosher, not so white magic things that alchemists were able to do behind closed doors, So if you believe that alchemy wasn't real and they were not successful, it's because the alchemists who knew what they were talking about were taught by, okay, let me just call things how they are. Alchemy was taught to humanity by demons. I know, (laughs) sorry, what I'm reacting to is like, um, it is enough of the collective is like, oh my God, now the demons are real too? Oh my God, like she just blew my mind hate to say this, guys, you know, if you stick around with me long enough, we're going to have to talk about all kinds of things, right? We're going to have to talk about demons, and we're going to have to talk to about, about angels, and we're going to have to talk about all the other things that are real that you don't believe that are real, right? Because it's just, it's, it's, it's just the times. The times on planet Earth are such that all of the things that are hidden are coming out into the surface, and they're bubbling up to the surface. And... And now the reaction that I'm getting from the collective is, how do we know that what you're saying is true? Um, couple, of, couple of thoughts here. First, right, you guys are not helpless beings and you should stop thinking of yourself as helpless. Sorry, we're going to do this little tangent for three seconds just because, so I, I want to deal with some of the shadows that are coming through the collective. And this is going to be three minutes very well spent, you guys. Uh, and then we're going to get back to, you know, fire elementals. Um, yeah, so just, just because you think you're this normal human doesn't mean you are currently as a soul not right now inhabiting a human body that is actually an amazing, almost magical vessel that you're not giving the credit to. So if you don't know what I'm that what I'm saying is true, what this tells me is that you're very disconnected from yourself even and your own bodies because your body is a magnetic, an electromagnetic device that can help you differentiate between truths and lies, right? By the way, I'll be the first one to tell you to never believe anything that you hear at face value because there are so many beings with an agenda they are on this planet Earth that it honestly blows my mind. There's so much misinformation and there are all these, you know, everything like fake channeling going on people with their agendas, pushing their agendas. Like it's honestly like sad. However, one thing that you need to understand is your body has been given to you for a reason. Your body always knows whether the information that you're receiving is true and correct and to your benefit, or it is not. So listen to your body. Your heart space is one of your biggest and best filters. So if you think that what I'm telling you is incorrect, start listening to me with your heart. Enable the information, allow, actually not enable, allow the information that's coming through me to you right now. Enter your body, not through your brain, but your heart right? Literally close your eyes right now and imagine that what I'm saying as a sound, a sound is a vibration, it's a wave, right? Instead of entering through your ears into your head, imagine that it goes through your heart. Your heart is one of the most amazing BS barometers that you guys have. It is a filter. You don't realize that it is a filter. So I have to tell you that it is. Your heart, if you listen to things with your heart, you would get an instant understanding and you would get an instant hit of whether what i'm telling you is true or it's not your heart always knows the answer because your heart is your doorway into the entirety of the energies of the universe if your information only passes through your head and your mental that is where the biggest traps are because your mental and your brain doesn't have access to the entirety of the database or the knowledge base of the universe. It only has access to your own personal self. And as such, right, the only way you can try to understand or estimate whether the information that you're hearing is real, true, or false is by trying to compare what you're hearing right now with your own framework of reference and your own memories. And if you don't find any similarities then very often you discard the very true information, you discard it as false. But I'm telling you, a lot of the things that I'm bringing to you is the knowledge that's coming from higher dimensions and higher frequencies, and it does not exist in your personal cell of knowledge or your personal frame of reference, and it definitely may not exist at the collective level. So the only way for you to know whether what I'm saying is true or false is to listen to what I'm saying with your heart. And if you do, you would know without a trace of the doubt that what I'm telling you right now is real. And yes, that does mean that demons, unfortunately, are real. But this is not an episode about demons, not in a strict sense of of the word. Okay, on that note, going back to alchemy. Alchemy is real. There are still some practitioners on planet Earth today. It's just not very prominent. And again, there's alchemy and there's alchemy. There is high-frequency, high-dimensional alchemy, which is essentially energy work. Alchemy is about taking one form of energy at its highest. Uh, you know, in, in its highest form, it's true definition of alchemy is this: taking one form of energy and transferring it into another form of energy. Healing is a form of al- an alchemical art because it takes it takes stuck energy of a disease and turns that into an unstuck energy of health, right? So every single healer is an alchemist. I hate to say this, right? So let's broaden your perspective, you guys, and broaden your perception so that your puzzle of the world starts becoming more complete. Okay. Here's going back to my point from earlier. Because of the alchemy and alchemical studies of the middle ages. That were dictated. By. High dimensional high frequency demons. Straight into the ears of the alchemists. Unfortunately. The byproduct of that. Was. A temporary. Relationship. Between humans that practiced alchemy. At high degrees. And fire elementals. Which was the relationship of slavery. And because of that a lot of the fire elementals have developed a lot of resentment towards the entirety of the human race because you guys share the same DNA with the alchemists of the old right so by definition unfortunately the fire elementals are not necessarily in love with humanity right now by the way um, I don't know if you've um, if you've heard, about that but very often in the old in the in the you know in the Middle Ages um, fires like fires um, were extremely prevalent in the Middle Ages like whole cities burned down and and whole villages burned down and you may say yeah villages burned down you know but you know fires or get started right now as well like there are a lot of you know fires happen all the time but you know cities don't burn down because now we have firefighters and we have technology and all of that yes however The reason there were a lot more fires and, you know, those fires were extremely prevalent in the Middle Ages was because the relationship between fire elementals and humanity at the time was completely messed up. And so as a a retaliation mechanism, fire elementals caused fires to people. Uh, Does it mean that every time there is a high degree of fire, that means that the elementals are unhappy the reason I'm asking this question is because that's the question I'm getting from the collective, just as, uh, just an FYI. The answer is it is not. However, every time there is a large degree fire happening in a particular area, if we're talking, let's say, a forest or something, it is because that ecosystem is out of balance. Large scale fires, the fires that you guys had in California not too long ago, do not just happen because it's a drought. Everything is interconnected in the system of planet Earth. It is an incredibly wise system. Nothing is random. It's just humanity is very ill-adept at understanding the cause and effect, which is the karma. Humanity is very ill-adept at understanding karmic loops and karmic knots. And so humanity may look at a forest fire and be like, well, it's caused by drought. Whereas actually, no, it's not. Very often when there is a large scale fire, it's because fire is a cleanse, a cleansing mechanism of a different degree. It's not like water. It's actually a different type of cleanse. The energies of fire are what enables things to go back to their zero state. Complete zero zeroing out of the energies so when the system is so out of balance that literally small baby changes cannot take it back to equilibrium that's when fire comes in steps over and and just demolishes everything so large-scale fires in california were actually a symptom of how broken that ecosystem became and it was a byproduct of the feelings, thoughts, and actions of the people in that area of the world, right? Fire came as a great liberator, an equalizer, and the force to zero out the energies, I'm just saying. Okay. Um, so the reason I told you this crazy story about alchemy is not because I wanted to create all this turmoil in the collective and make you guys stop, you know, listening to this podcast. That was not my intention. My intention was to show you that you're starting not from a good place. (laughs) That didn't come out. That did not come out right. Um, What I meant to say is there are going to be some headwinds, you guys. Um... Yeah, there's going to be some headwinds as you're trying to rebuild the relationship with a fire elemental. Not for every, you know, not for every single one of you, but just know that there's just a little bit of a hurdle to get over as you're trying to work with the fire energies. And so if you start working with the fire elementals and you know, they're not immediately receptive to you trying to befriend them. Just understand that it's not your fault. And there's just a little bit of a collective karma for humanity. Now, also, this is a year of karmic release. And so it's really, really good news, you guys, because this is the perfect timing to be releasing large scale karmic loops of humanity. And one of them is with the fire elementals. So we're also going through a healing together. Okay, so The embers, again, right? These are the creatures that they literally look like sparks of fire, right? Ranging from two inches up to really, really huge that live in the crust of the earth. And these are the creatures that are there anytime you turn on the fire. These are the creatures that you should greet, actually. Um, So if you're starting, if you're trying to build a good relationship with the element of fire and as a byproduct with fire elementals, you should greet the fire every time you light it up. Very often, um, and and, and what I'm going to say next almost like requires like a separate story. Very often, um, fire elementals or any other kinds of elementals are going to stick around the same people um, for as long as those people are alive because they get attached to you know, beings, Uh, it's not true for everybody, but very often it could be true. Let's say that you are a candle lover and you burn candles all the time. Um, Because you're a candle lover, you know, most likely you already have a fire elemental that works with you. Otherwise, you would not be a candle lover, right? If you're an occasional candle user, uh, that probably means that, you know, it, it doesn't mean that you have a bad relationship with a with fire category, but maybe that's not your preferred um, element. But for those people that love fire, most likely you guys have a good relationship with um, fire elementals. So if you're burning candles all the time, there is most likely one or two or three or 10 fire elementals that keep coming back to you constantly because you don't get a random one every single time or you could, but that's not what tends to happen. And so most likely every time you light up a candle, it's the same being coming to you over and over and over again to light you up, you know, to cause you, I don't know, to like lighten your mood or whatever other benefit you're getting from lighting the candle. But do you see how ironic, not even ironic, but almost sad it is that every time you light a candle, and you want to experience the flame. It's the same being that comes into that flame. But you've never greeted it. You don't know what it what its name is. You don't know its personality. You've never thanked it for anything. Do you see how like one-sided it is? Because that being is serving you. It's showing up every time you want fire, right? And yet, it's like serving a master that never acknowledges you. It's like really sad, you guys. Um... So working with fire energies, you definitely first want to try to get to know those beings and those elementals. Um, Now, Obviously, for those of you that have clear audience, that's really, really easy. You just greet them, you have a conversation with them. For those of you that don't, I recommend automatic writing. I may have noticed, I I may have mentioned it a time or a dozen in my past episodes. Um, Automatic writing is essentially when you're leveraging the power of your body to give you answers. And so you would... Essentially, take out a piece of paper and write a question. Right? If you're trying to meet your elemental, you just write a question like whatever it is. You know, who are you? What is your name? You can ask. You know, anything. And then um, you write down answer colon, and then you just let your hand write the answer as if you knew the answer. And you would be surprised, but you can have full full on conversations with with different types of beings using automatic writing. And that is always like a stepping stone into one day uh, leveraging, um, you know, one day becoming clairaudient. Okay, so that's that. Um, That's the first kind of elemental. Um, What, you know, what can they help you with? Um, And, you know, why you should care. Fire elementals have a range of different frequencies. First, they can really help clear up the space in your, in any space actually, right? So if the space is um, suboptimal, um, I don't know, there's stuck energy in there. there there's been people that lived in, in that space before and there were fighting or anything. Fire elementals can really, really, really help you clean it up. Fire elementals don't just come in the form of fire. So fire elementals, you know, anytime you light something up, like if you're doing saging or smudging or if you're um, burning, if you're burning incense, right? All of that is like different forms of fire. Um, If you're using charcoals, like anything really of that nature, um, all of those are fire elementals, right? So again, fire elementals are amazing around cleansing the space, right? Every time you're smudging, you're dealing with fire elementals, right? So greet them and thank them fire elementals are really, really good at at, uh, raising your frequency. So if you are experiencing sadness, fear, any of those emotions, it is very important for you to start interacting with the element of fire as well as the, uh, the fire elementals. When you're just interacting with the element of fire, inadvertently you already are interacting with the fire elementals. Otherwise, you know, The the fire cannot exist without the elementals, however, when this is an intentional connection, they can amplify that fire and you can also have very specific asks for them, right? Now, the one thing is if you have an ask from a fire elemental, you need to also give something back to the fire elemental. It is always an energy exchange. What are the things that fire elementals love as an exchange? For instance, you can be like, okay, hey, hi, fire elemental. Can you help me cleanse the energies of my kitchen? For instance, right? That could be the ask. And then you need to pay them with something. Fire elementals uh, would take certain offerings uh, that you could intentionally offer to the fire. And I'll give you just a couple of examples. Fire elementals do love incense and incense sticks and cones and any type of incense. Um, they do, so like you can offer that uh, in exchange to them, like just burn that in their honor, right? Burn an incense cone or a stick in their honor. Um, they do love all kinds of dried herbs, right, that are used for smudging. So you can just throw that in the fire or dried, actually dried um, petals or dried, um, you know, florals. They would love, they love, love, love dried lavender flowers um helichrysum there's a bunch of they like um they love um cones like pine cones and you know other dried um um, elements of trees like they'll, they'll take a leaf for instance they like that um they like nuts um another thing that they like is spices So you can give them a piece of clove or like a cinnamon stick, like throw that in the fire. They like that a lot. Um, And they also like citruses. Now for citruses, I don't necessarily see them enjoying like a full orange if you throw that into the fire, but you can use certain citrus essential oils, right? So if you want to do an offering to the fire elementals, you can use a couple of drops of the lemon essential oil or the orange or the grapefruit, like, you know, you can pick anything. Uh, so they love citruses and they love spices. Um, that's what kind of like makes them, makes their heart sing, if you will. But very often, right? Very often. What you would want to do is you would want to establish a relationship with one or two or three elementals and they can really help you. Fire energies are amazing protectors, you guys. So not just cleansing your space, but protecting your space. If If and when, right, you establish a good relationship with fire elementals, you can ask them to protect your home. Specifically, you would want them to guard the entrances into your houses. So, and, you know, again, if you have a good relationship with them, they would want to do so willingly. But also, you would still want to do an offering for them if they're they're really nice and they're guarding your house. So you would want to place a couple by the entrance of your house, right, by the front door. And the back door of the house, as well as by the chimney, like right right around the, uh, the fireplace, because that's another entrance to your home. Um, they're also amazing at speeding things up. Fire elementals are really good if you want things to happen faster for you. You want to find a job faster. You want to get a promotion faster. You want to get married faster. I don't care. Fire elementals can help you with that. They're speedy, very, very quick. Fire elementals are amazing at helping you manifest things. Um, fire elementals are really, really good at working with you to get you what you want, which I guess is, is manifestation. So helping you make, making, making your dreams and wishes come true. Um, helping you achieve your goals. Um, helping you actually um, see through people so they can also be good advisors around people's characters, right? See into people's intentions, the, the, you know, but I can, I can keep going. But we have all these other fire elementals to get through and I feel like this episode is going to be really, really long. So let's, why don't we move on? The second type of fire elemental um, that I want to talk to you about is the dragons. Oh my God, I could make 60 episodes just on dragons alone. Um, the dragons, technically, uh, dragons could belong to one of the two elemental classes. For the most part, dragons are uh, fire elementals. However, um, there is the fifth element, which is called ether, and certain dragons are ether elementals. Ether, or prana, or chi, you know, is is just another way of saying high frequency energy and essentially most dragons that exist in dimension seven and above are would be considered ether elementals and not fire elementals however third dimensional dragons fourth dimensional dragons fifth dimensional dragons uh, lower dimensional dragons shall i say are all considered fire elementals is because they hold within themselves the spark of fire again fire actually is the you know, outside of ether probably is the most high vibrational element that there is. Fire is also the element that is most associated with the creator or the source energy. As such, you know, um, they are considered, every fire elemental is considered to have within themselves the spark of the energies of the creator. And which makes them really, really special, right? Because essentially their bodies need to be adept at withstanding and holding to the spark of source energy, which is actually really, really hard to do, hard to do, right? So every single fire elemental is extremely special. Dragons, I love dragons. Now, not to confuse you, because I know if you've you know if you have any of these like dragon oracle decks, um, you already know that there are, you know, earth dragons, water dragons, you know, air dragons, and technically fire dragons. Not to confuse you. All of these dragons are still going to be considered fire elementals. Unless they're so high vibrational that they're ether elementals. So just wanted to get this out of the way. Why? It's because even your water dragons can produce fire. And if you can produce fire as an ele- like as a being, you're considered a fire elemental. Okay, uh, just getting this out of the way dragons, like I said, is a rich, rich, rich topic in and of itself. Dragons are extremely wise. So maybe let's talk about the properties of dragons. Dragons are extremely wise. Dragons are a herd species. So they don't tend to live, you know, you're not going to have too many outcast dragons. So they're a herd species kind of like wolves. So they're extremely loyal. But the reason I'm bringing up that they're a herd species is because they have access, because of that, to the entirety of dragon lore. So every dragon is going to have innate access to like, an energy structure and over, or a, an egregore of all the dragons that ever existed. That is why dragons are considered some of the wisest beings in the entire universe. Because even low-dimensional dragons are going to have access to the entirety of the knowledge of all the dragons, including higher-dimensional. And dragons, especially the ether dragons, go really, really high up, but they have a collective space with your fire dragons. And so essentially, dragons are the, you know, in in terms of low-dimensional elementals, Um, they have access to the high, they, they have the highest level of access to information or the Akashic records, if you will. And so they can advise you on some pretty sophisticated things and they can be great teachers. I don't see enough humans using dragons as teachers or mentors. And this is a big waste because dragons again are incredibly wise because of their herd mentality and in general dragons are you know also also telepathic communicators so they you know what one dragon knows all the dragons know is is kind of how how that goes with with the dragons right so again they are extremely extremely resourceful dragons are great guardians they're great protectors they're also the elementals that have one of the highest propensities of working with portals. So dragons can open up portals. Dragons can close down portals. Dragons can create portals into any dimension. So you can use dragons, again, once you establish a relation with dragons, you can use dragons to travel to any remote place of any galaxy of any universe that's ever been created. You can use dragons to go into any dimension that you want. Now, there are, there are access, you know, access limitations with some dragons so you know you can ask if you're working with a particular dragon you can ask how high it can fly so to say um of course it can go above what it can do but again they are really good at being able to be cross-dimensional um yeah they hold keys to the wisdom of the universe so if you're not working with dragons you should strongly strongly consider doing so um, dragons are also incredibly adept at passing on certain frequencies um, dragons are incredible warriors they're incredible fighters they are very self-confident um, they are very assertive they're great strategists um, they don't take no for an answer they never give up they're you know they, they they're determined they persevere so all of those qualities you can get as a you know um, As a byproduct of your building a relationship with a dragon. The good news is pretty much 99% of humanity has a guardian dragon already. So one thing I recommend that you do after this is you meet your own dragon. I think I will probably do a guided meditation on meeting your own dragon on another podcast, on our Sacred Universe podcast. I will try to do that in the coming days. Um, so, you know, again, from in the constraints of this episode, not going to be able to meet your dragon today, but I'll quickly walk you through how you can do that. There is a meeting place, you guys, for you and your dragon that is determined and predetermined, right? It is, for most of you, it looks like, um, a meadow. There is a meadow that you and your dragon have that you have agreed is going to be a meeting space in all of the incarnations that you choose to um, partner together and so in a meditative state you would go to a meadow and this meadow you know is beautiful it's green it's summertime and you would call in your dragon right into that meadow and that's how you would meet the dragon and you know get to know the dragon etc cetera, etc cetera. a couple of things before we go into the rest of the fire elementals and this is going to be true about all of the elementals, but. Humanity is completely unaware of this. One way that elementals know whether you as a being are safe or you're not safe is they judge by the crystal um, in the center of your chest. In the center of your chest, right around your thymus area, right around your higher heart, there is a crystal that is located. It is an etheric crystal, an energy crystal, not a physical crystal. It is a crystal that is a combination, an amalgamation of a lot of your past lives and a lot of your, you know, just current energies that you hold. This is above and beyond the auric field. This this crystal contains information that is 10,000 times more informative than your auric field. So most elementals before coming in contact with you, that is the first thing that they see. By the way, this is also how animals and plants look at you. And understand who you are at soul level for instance do you know how some you know some cats or dogs or horses you know love some people but don't love the others and you know it's somehow understood that you know they have like a sixth sense or whatever to try to understand you know what 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 what, what the human is all about how they actually understand is by looking at the crystal perceiving the crystal judging the crystal Obviously beings, people that are abusive towards animals have that written into their crystal. And so make no mistake that if a cat or a dog or like an animal is really scared of you and especially if you see that of a particular species over and over again, like a particular species is scared of you, it's probably because they're sensing some karma in that crystal. And that means that you probably need to clean that stuff up and heal that up. The reason is, I'm telling you this, is because of what's written up in your crystal, you may have a propensity and an easier time communicating to some elementals and not others. You may even evoke a particular kind of emotion in an elemental. They may read something in your crystal that really inspires them or inspires loyalty in them. And they may even pledge allegiance to you, right? Now, the good and the bad news about the crystal is it's it's kind of like they have access to it no matter what. It's like you can't hide, right? Um, so if you have been abusive to uh, elementals in your past lives, unfortunately, they're going to know. The good news is they'll probably still give you a chance. The reason, though, I'm telling you about this is this crystal is also a primary communication tool between you and an elemental. As in, Technically, you're not really communicating through words or feelings or whatnot, but you're communicating crystal to crystal. Um, And as such, if you feel like you have a hard time connecting to the elemental kingdom, then, or or getting messages back or whatnot, you're going to have to clean up your crystal, right? It's a practice in a meditative state. You're going to want to drop into your chest area, into your higher heart area, like put your attention there. And then watch what kind of crystal you have. What color it is, what size, you know, does it look like any other crystal that you've seen? You know, what shape it is, you know, what cut it looks like, you know, because there can be different cuts. And also try to understand, you know, what does that crystal communicate to the elemental? Right. And so and then like, give that crystal a bath first, like and it's a bath of light. Right. And then you may also use just like pure crystalline energies of white light or golden light to completely clear every single facet of the crystal. You will thank me later. Your communication, your ability to understand guidance from these beings is going to triple, quadruple, 10x depending on your crystal. So that's that. Um, Yeah, and you definitely... um, Another thing, just just a thought. Um, You may ask an elemental that you're communicating with to tell you about your crystal and what they can see through the crystal and what they can read through the crystal because what they can read is not just your past they can also read your future and your present through the energies of the crystal so very often one cool form of divination could be befriending an elemental and just asking the elemental what the elemental sees in your crystal this is going to work better than tarot cards you know runes and pendulum combined Uh, yeah and another cute thing is if you befriend more than one type of elemental, you can ask the different kinds of beings what they're sensing in your crystal. And with that, you can piece out essentially your whole future life because there's going to be commonalities in there. and it's, it's just like, it's just fun. I don't know. Okay, cool. Talked about the crystal, talked about dragons. Like I said, I can make a full episode about dragons. Unfortunately, we don't have the time. but I strongly, strongly, strongly encourage you to go and meet your dragon. That's one thing you do after this episode. Because building a relationship with a dragon is one of the most fundamental things you can do working with the fire elementals. You are going to thank me later. Okay, moving on. Uh, Let's talk about gen, or genies. Cannot talk about fire elementals without talking about genies. Now, everybody's watched Aladdin and... I kind of almost like it's it's like one of those topics you kind of almost don't want to go there because you're like okay everybody's gonna think that the genies are exactly or the djinns, are exactly what Aladdin shows and it's just the you know the 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 trapped enslaved beings that can uh, you know give you the three wishes. Genies are extremely extremely powerful. Genies very often very often, but not you know, not always, are more powerful than um, pretty much most other fire elementals apart from one that we haven't discussed yet. Um, so they're extremely powerful. The problem with genies is... Um, so genies are interesting. Let me rewind really quickly. Um How do they come across? Um, Genies live in, um, you know, a parallel world to planet Earth. We have never really talked about the topology of planet Earth, but essentially there are, (laughs) I'm going to totally blow your mind right now, but sorry, you guys, I have to. Um, There are eight parallel Earths to planet Earth. We are the middle planet of the nine. So we're the fifth from the top or the bottom. Doesn't really matter which way you go um in terms of and and that's why we're called Midgard or Middle Earth right do you guys remember Lord of the Rings Middle Earth where Frodo lived and Sam and whatnot it's it's because we're the middle of the nine if you're not familiar with that if you want to read up on it I don't have time to go into the nine earths uh framework right now um if you want me to talk about it feel free to dm me on instagram this is Maria official. Uh, if you want me to talk about that, I'm happy to talk about the topology and the nine Earths and and what that means, not to blow your mind, but we're the middle ground. We are the middle of the nine. Oh, and also if you want to read up on it, um, but you don't want me to do an episode on that, that's totally cool. You guys can go and read up on the North, on the North, on Norse mythology. Odin, the Yggdrasil tree, the... You know all of the good stuff. Um, it'll tell you about the nine worlds. Although arguably, eh, not all of that is true information. But at least it'll give you like the overall understanding of what I mean by parallel Earths. Of the parallel Earths, four dimensions compared to planet Earth are considered angelic, and those are located up, uh, up the ladder. Uh, we are all all the dimensions are located along a central axis or the tree of life or the um, the axis mundi however you want to call it tree of life is is is, um very often like a very good analogy for that the same the same tree that is called the tree of Sephiroth in in kabbalah you know the same the bodhi tree that buddha was meditating under it's the same tree you guys it's not like many different trees um it's the tree of life from the bible same exact tree so there are all these nine earths located um on the tree or the central axis. We are the middle, like I said, the fifth from the bottom of the top. Um, the four dimensions above us are considered angelic dimensions. The four dimensions below us are considered demonic dimensions. And that is where we go back to the djinn. I promise you this was not a tangent, although it felt like one. So the is the jinn, are the ones that live most more often, they live in inside of one of the four demonic realms. The demonic realms get progressively more demonic the more the further down you move down the rabbit hole, and the further away you move from planet Earth, downstairs. Um, genies have full access to this dimension as well. It just doesn't tend to be their preferred dimension. Very often, when genies appeared to humans, they would appear as a fire uh, suspended in air. Um, you have some accounts in the Bible, actually, where... The prophet thought it was angels communicating to them, but it was actually a genie. I'm just saying. Um, so yeah, uh, fire suspended in air is a genie. A genie is supposed to be a smokeless fire. It's the fire that burns, but it doesn't create a smoke. Um, and it it is a perpetual fire. Genies can can burn forever without being quote unquote tired. Um, now genies they have free will, and they're a little bit tricky because technically a genie is a type of demon and again i oh, by the way if you guys want me to make a whole episode about demons do dm me on instagram i'm, I'm happy to go there if we need to or if you want me to make uh, an episode about angels or archangels or seraphim or you know any of those let me know as well i'm happy to do that now all of these topics are a little bit out there so you know i'm not necessarily going to nominate them myself i'm just letting you know um okay On that note, um, genies do have, they are considered magical beings. They do, not all of them, by the the way, just the fact that I said they they live in demonic worlds, all of a sudden you guys are like, are they evil? Again, we, we really shouldn't be trying to say evil versus good. That is a very 3D way of looking at things. Genies have free will. They are beings that have an agenda, like, all the other beings in the universe, and, you know, they, their agenda is, you know, being teachers to humanity. Now, the problem with genies is, yes, they, you know, they, they, they're very wise, but they're, like, more so knowledgeable than wise, right? So they have a lot of intellectual prowess. Whereas like dragons, for instance, are wise. So dragons have a very, very strong heart energy and heart space. Genies are mostly intellectual. So they are going to have access to a lot of knowledge and understanding of how the energies work, etc., etc. And they also have magical powers. The problem with genies is you can work with them, um, but it's almost like I don't think humanity is at the stage or the level that I would be comfortable teaching humanity how to work with the genies, just because genies are tricky, and they always charge you triple uh, than what you bought from them, and unless you know how to like outsmart them, I I wouldn't I wouldn't I wouldn't go there, and so I'm not really I'm gonna go like very high level on the genies here. Um, another thing with genies, and that is where you get your myth around um like the aladdin and the lamp and rubbing on the lamp and whatnot genies actually do have almost unlimited powers in 3d Uh, they do have like every single fire elemental they do have the spark of god within them right they were the creatures that were created by source Um, again as teachers and partially as well as 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 police the police force in in some cases although they kind of went rogue so I don't know that they necessarily play good policemen at this point Um, they're also right you know right there along alongside some other classes of demons tempting humanity to do all kinds of crazy things Um, and as such they they're they're really really good teachers they teach you you know the thing, the, the stuff that you shouldn't be doing. Now, of course, in the process of learning that lesson, you don't always know that that's not what you're supposed to be doing. The problem with genies, though, is unless you know the the reason you you have this account in the Aladdin of genie, you know, always giving you three wishes, is because the genie is trapped and that genie is cursed. So, in other words, that genie is going through slavery, and that is the only reason why that genie is not dangerous to most beings that would rob the lamp, right? Now, genies hate being trapped, and they also love things being done their way. And so, you know, unless they're trapped, like the genie from the Aladdin story, and by the way, they they tend to be trapped by a magician, like a mage of a very high rank, because trapping a genie is no walk in the park, let me tell you. It requires some very, very sophisticated magic and configurations to be able to trap a genie. Um, and so normal humans should not attempt any of that you know funny business but because we're talking about the classification of fire elementals I figured we'd talk about genies as well um in other words can they you know instantly get you what you want yes but are you gonna have to pay an arm and a leg and another arm for it yes so I don't necessarily recommend working with genies uh, at this point in time but hey one day when humanity super evolved and you know we're you know you you guys are at a different stage of development. Absolutely we can work with genies.
0: Okay, moving on. Next
1: is phoenixes. A phoenix is another type of fire elemental. I personally love, love, love phoenixes. The phoenix is the bird of the creator. Um the creator actually um has Uh, The creator of Source has a very specific, very unique relationship with this energy, with this elemental, with this bird, if you will. Um, Of course, you guys are, I'm sure, familiar with the phoenixes. It's the bird that, you know, burns itself and then resurrects itself uh, or re emerges back from the ashes. And this is a a big, big, big proxy, this is an analogy of what happens at source level. So source actually, and I've, you know I've mentioned that in, in, in a few episodes. source goes or the, the great everything, the absolute the creator, goes through a process of um, breathing and you know with each breath that the source takes, a new universe or everything is being created and when on the exhale, everything is going back to, state zero a state of nothing and a phoenix is actually that energy that same energy uh, of like a continuous cycle that never really is quite over and so phoenixes are you know considered to be immortal birds there is a way for a phoenix to stop existing um but phoenix don't die unless they truly want to die unless they're ready to disincarnate or discarnate um and 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 leave right? Otherwise, they're going to forever go through the cycle. Um, Not every phoenix is created equal. Phoenixes are divided in terms of rank by the color of the fire that they hold. So when they're going to be burning up, they're going to be burning up a particular color. The lowest dimensional phoenix is red in color. Then you have the orange phoenix. Um, Then you have the yellow phoenix. Then you have the blue phoenix and the last phoenix is the white phoenix the white phoenix is supposed to be and it's known to be the royalty of the phoenix lineage they are the you know the the nobility of the phoenix line they're also the ones that exist inside of the matrix as well as outside of the matrix the phoenix can travel uh, some of the dragons can as well, by the way, travel in, you know, into the, the, the high realms. So they're not just the elementals that are just stuck in this, you know, time-space reality. Both phoenixes and dragons, depending on dragons, not every dragon, high-dimensional dragons have a means of leaving, uh, of leaving 3D. And white phoenixes are the birds that live on the, you know, proverbially, so bear with me for that analogy, they live on the white sh- uh, on that right shoulder of of source if you know if you can imagine that source has a shoulder and what i mean by that is source is extremely close with his birds so very often the wisdom spoken by the white phoenix is the wisdom given to you by god or by source so building a relationship with the phoenix is like building a relationship with source and it doesn't matter what color that phoenix is now phoenixes are fickle creatures and they're also a little bit elitist (laughs) hate to say this love phoenixes to death they're a little bit elitist and so the phoenix may choose to work with you or not Uh, dragons for instance you can always find a dragon to work with you um same thing for like the you know the embers the salamanders just like the you know fire regular fire spirits a phoenix eh? maybe not Um, you, you know, you would essentially want to see, like, you can always meet a phoenix, but can you work with a phoenix continuously, I think is a big, big, big question mark. You have to be considered worthy, um, of the time of the phoenix because, um, these, the birds are high, very high vibrational. Phoenix is actually quite rare. So for about every 10,000 dragons, there's one phoenix. And so, you know there's not enough of them to go about or to go around and so you can always meet a phoenix um, and ask you know your questions um, you know your you know phoenixes are really really good at answering questions around your mission what is missing for you you know in life or like what you should what, what you should be doing uh, new else and different compared to what you're doing right now so how so some high-level guidance some high-level direction Um as well as they can help you open up some of your special abilities if you're meant to in this life. Um, and like I said, everybody can meet a phoenix, but not everybody can befriend a phoenix. Because again, those beings are extremely selective. But when you meet one, right, again, through a meditation, I encourage you to try to meet a phoenix. A phoenix. First, you're going to want to see and pay attention what color of the bird it is, right? So you can kind of like understand where it falls in the hierarchy. Um, and... Um, you know, depending on what color of the bird it is, they carry a different streak of the energy of source. And if you're trying to figure out what streak that is, you may think of it as being similar to the sacred flame, right? So if you're seeing the red phoenix show up, it is related to the red sacred flame. So you may want to listen to an episode about the red flame if you're trying to dissect what your phoenix is all about or that phoenix is all about. And then you may see if, you know, that phoenix chooses to work with you, You may ask it, um, you know, whether it wants to commit to being one of your guides and then, you know, you'll you'll get like a very clear nod if it's a yes. And, you know, very often you're going to get a no, so don't despair. But again, phoenixes are awesome. And if one commits to being, you know, one of your spirit guides, it could be your, like your tie, your direct connection to source energies, um, which is quite, quite unique. So that's the fourth type of the fire elemental. And last but not least, are uh, sun sun elementals sun elementals are fire elementals um of the highest caliber again this is another elemental that is connected to source energy and that is why i want to talk to to talk to you guys about fire elementals first because there's so much that is connected to god God, goddess consciousness within the fire realm Um, there is a network of suns that connects everything within our universe Um, it starts from the central sun And then emanates from there, uh, almost uh, via concentric circles. Um, Sun energies, house, um, sun elementals, uh, sun demiurges, and other types of sun creatures that are made of plasma. So they're plasmoid type creatures. Um, The race, uh, the solar race that permeates all of the suns local and remote in the universe are called the solis. The solis is a non-corporeal race um, that is essentially a projection of source consciousness into the matrix, the projection of source consciousness into this time-space reality. Uh, Whereas, and how is that different from the phoenix birds? Because I also drew the connection to source there. The phoenix bird is not source consciousness. The phoenix bird is the bridge to the messages from source consciousness, if you know what I mean. Just because the phoenix bird has the ear of source. The solis, your solar plasmoid elementals, are projections of source consciousness, but in a way that... Um, but let me actually... The question that I'm getting back from the collective is this. But you mentioned we all are projections of source consciousness, how come are, are some projections better than the rest? You know, I'm getting the, this, this type of confusion from the, from the collective. Thank you so much for this question. It's a great question. Yes, we are on some level all projections of source consciousness. However, you guys are going through your human experience at this point in time. You have a thing called the veil of forgetfulness, right? So you are essentially playing a game all the way. You're all the way in. Whereas sun... Elementals are not. So they kind of exist in this very interesting place that is in the matrix but not of the matrix. And they never experience the veil of forgetfulness. So they maintain a hundred percent of all of their memories and they maintain that connection to source. They don't have to build it from scratch. They don't have to work on their crowns, you know, crown chakra, anything. They are born this way, so to say. And the Silis, the sun race, are essentially here to help manage this time, space, reality, right? So you can almost think of suns as offices of source consciousness and these high level, high vibrational beings are here to help manage the affairs, right? Um, how do they do that? Well, everything is energy, right? Sun is giving energy and light and warmth and heat to essentially the entirety of, of, of the universe. Different types of suns, you know, you have your localized suns, central suns, etc., right? But literally, life would not be possible without the sun. In the same way that life would not be possible without source consciousness, right? Um, via so, uh, essentially, this this whole thing is run thanks to the network of suns. It is possible, you guys, for each of you to have a relationship with one of the silis. Um, In some Instances the Celestes and, and these type of plasmoid creatures would be mistaken for angels. It is not one and the same thing, but very often these plasmoid creatures, a, they don't they they're shapeshifters. In other words, their true shape is that of a sun. They look like mini suns, or you know globules of energy, uh, floating around. But very often when they appear uh, to humans. They would come in there um in the form um that is more humanoid. So they would, you know, be floating actually up in, in the air. They don't have they generally don't have the wings, but they have the halos and their skin is being lit up from within. Um and they are very often mistaken for angels. And when very often they, they, they may have quite physical apparitions. Because the Solis actually spans dimensions. Uh, It's one of those races that can literally go from 3D to 12D in like three seconds flat. So very often when they appear to humanity, they would appear in, um, you know, in, in what humanity thinks is an apparition of, I don't know, one of the saints or, you know, just an angel. But it's actually just this race, not angels. All right, so you can work with them. They want to be your guide and they can, again, really help align you to what you should be doing in this life because they are, they have, essentially they have unlimited awareness and then access to, like high, high level access to the informational field of the Akasha. So they're very aware of what's going on. Yeah. All right. Well, this was an overview of the fire elementals i hope i hope this was you know interesting for you guys again my intention is for you to a take this as an fyi b start working with them you know if you have been listening to this and one of these categories has you know really touched you or maybe you had a sensation in your body as I was talking about something and you felt chills or you felt tingles or you just felt like cold or hot or anything right if you had a bodily response like that or just a hunch that you should work with a particular elemental this is a dead giveaway that you should and don't wait for it right um, again I want you to have options of beings you can work with each of these beings can become a spirit guide right even a genie by the way, can become a spirit guide. I just wouldn't I wouldn't start trading with genies because they are gonna outwit you like nobody's business. <laughs> They're smart like that um, all right and yeah and um, I don't think we have time for a meditation, but I will do a separate one on meeting a dragon and maybe even working with your dragon on on another podcast our sacred universe. That's it. you guys are awesome. Thank you for asking me really, really great questions th- all throughout this. Actually, hold on. Fine, fine, fine. I promised, you, I promised you some Q&A at the end. Why don't I take a couple of questions from the Human Collective on working with the Fire Elementals just on the final. We're on a final stretch, you guys. It's been a long episode. Um, all right. Um, anything that you wanted to ask me around working with the Fire Elementals or anything else around what I just said that was not clear, I'm ready to receive the question. The question is, how do I know what element, uh, what elemental of the fire arena I should work with? Uh, How do I know where to start? Frankly, frankly, I, if I were you, I would try to meet as many of them as possible. Because you never know what your affinity, where your affinity lies. And also, one thing about elementals that I really appreciate is, if you start, you know, if you make that first step, they start recognizing you. They're going to start, you know, coming to you in dreams. They may start, you know, making themselves known to you. And some of them may just choose to pledge their allegiance. Not every human being is going to have an elemental to pledge their allegiance to them. But if you do, you will know that that is the case because they will let you know. And those are going to be the best allies ever. One thing about elementals is they're really, really good at working on the physical level and the energy level. So your first two bodies, physical body and your etheric body. They're really, really good at working on this level. So that's why they're elementals, right? Um, Elements make up this physical reality. If you befriend an elemental and especially they pledge allegiance to you, um, they're going to be able to heal any disease you may have. They may help patch up any issues with your auric field, And essentially, they're they're just invaluable allies, right? And so unless you meet as many of them as possible, then you're essentially limiting your own scope and you're limiting your own universe. And so I strongly encourage you to meet as many of them as possible. Befriend them ask them you know what your personal relationship is with the element what you know your family's relationship is with the element because everything again is karma right like it could be that you know your familial lineage has good or bad karma with a particular ele- elemental but you would never know unless you um you asked now i will tell you that most of you are going to have the best luck with the dragons um Best luck with the dragons. Second best probably with the Selyse. Third would be with... Um, like the embers and the sparks. But you would have to do some karma cleaning up. Because humanity overall has really bad karma. Then the phoenixes and last the genies. That's how I would put them if I were to rank them. Around like what you should do first. And I definitely don't see... like. I don't know what you have to do to not be able to build a relationship with a dragon. Like, I honestly don't. I don't know what you, you, you like, you could not if you tried. You just, you know, as long as there is a will, there is a way. You're going to have your dragon. Some of you may have more than one dragon. Um, you can have your dragon that is assigned to this particular incarnation. You can also have a dragon or multiple dragons that are companions of your higher self. That's also actually quite interesting just fyi right um enough of you actually have a dragon form or you at one point incarnated as a dragon it could be fun for you to remember those past lives as well uh, because that would that is what would really help you build an authentic relationship with a dragon right because you would truly understand where they're coming from if you remember those lives Okay, great question. Thank you so much. I'm glad I took it. Uh, Let's do one more question from the collective. Anything around fire elementals? Go ahead. The question is, I'm really confused about genies. So should we talk to them? Should we not talk to them? Why did you tell us about them if we cannot work with them? Okay. You can't talk to genies unless you ask them to fulfill a wish of yours or to grant you something. There's not much that they can do. But, you know, you guys have all heard about, like, you know, making a contract with the devil, right? If if that... And that's what you're opening yourself up to if you're trying to create a contract with a genie. A genie is not a devil, but, you know, they're not that far away from, you know, the demons that are making those contracts and some of the contracts that are being offered to humanity are being offered via the genies. And so... When you sign on a dotted line on any of those contracts, just know that it'll come back to you in in, in a future life. And just know that sometimes you're signing away pieces of your soul that you don't want to gamble with. And just because I don't necessarily in this format, I don't have the ability to walk you through the 101 thing that can go wrong as you're making those contracts. That's why I strongly advise you against creating those contracts. Now, Genie, a genie can choose to teach you things. But if you tap into genie's wisdom over and over and over again without offering anything back, at some point the genie is going to be like payback time, right? So that's why I just would in general not recommend going there first. I think like if you tapped out of, you know, if you did everything under the sun and you're looking for something else to do, then the genies, yes, they're fine. About 25% percent of genies are actually they mean very very well it's just they can turn on you still because they're a little bit fickle and they change their mind and you know they're opinionated and so it's again they're just not the safest energy to work with and you also cannot optimize for which one you're gonna get because yeah they're fickle to a point where they don't like committing to a human unless they're tied to that human and if they're tied to that human they're enslaved by that human which is what essentially happened i don't know how much you guys know about the king of like king solomon uh, from the bible um you know he was a great king and he worked with uh a lot of demon energies that's why he was known for having the seal of solomon which was his ring on the ring there was a seal of solomon that was essentially um a, a hexagram so it was a start of david and and dots it was like an occult symbol but the reason uh you know and, and he had multiple of those rings uh, and stamps essentially seals shall i say and each of these were to um trap a particular demon or a particular jinn, and uh, king solomon used uh, the power of jinns to build the temple the temple of solomon um and he was instructed by you know a high level demon or a high level genie on how to do that and there's this whole story and you can re- read up on it in your in your history books uh or in your occult books um, around how, you know, Solomon, King Solomon thought that he was smarter than the genies. And then eventually the genies (laughs) proved him otherwise. But what I'm saying is in order to contain a genie, you need to be a, a high degree magician. And, and even then you're not protected. So again, the genies are not going to be my first choice. Why did I tell you about them? Because I'm operating in a spirit of full transparency. And I think you guys should know. And also there is a part of me that is stickler for truth. And is a stickler for having and bringing a systematized type type of knowledge onto this planet. I find that there's so much misinformation on this planet. So when I'm telling you about something. Especially if I'm doing an overview of something. I don't feel complete in my mission and what I'm here to do. Unless I tell you about everything that there is. And yes, some of these things need to come with a word of caution, and some of them don't. And genies need to come with a word of caution. It's one of those, you know, I don't know, a piece of software that you have a 60-page terms and conditions to, <laughs> you know? And I just don't think humanity is ready to read the, the, the 60 pages of terms and conditions, I'm just saying. All right, one last question about fire elementals, anything that's going to serve a collective, I'm ready to receive the question now. Um, The question is this, you mentioned that there is a lot of karma between humanity and embers that used to be trapped by the alchemists. How do I know if the fire elementals are open to working with me? And how do I know that you know, if if I'm holding this much karma or how to fix this karma situation. Great question. Thank you for bringing this up. If you like fire, chances are you either have a decent relationship with uh, fire elementals you have, a, or you have a good relationship with fire elementals. On the other hand, if you are scared of fire uh, or if you have had instances in your life where fire hurts you, For example, if you burn easily. And when I say fire, I don't just mean you guys like fireplaces or bonfires. I mean the sun. The sun is also fire energies. So if you burn easily, uh, if you don't tan very well, you just burn. There's something between you and the element of fire that is not fully optimized. If sun causes you harm otherwise, like a sunstroke. Or if you just cannot stand the heat, if you don't like warm weather and you're like, I need to be under the AC all the time, chances are there's something that is imbalanced between you and fire elementals and fire energies, right? Um, If you are scared of fire or afraid of fire, not a good sign, right? Going into, uh, uh, I don't know, there are some people actually that are afraid of being cremated after their death. Um, Some people just like refuse to be cremated. And I understand like most people get buried and whatnot. But if you truly had a good relationship with fire, also if you didn't have a veil of forgetfulness, you would know that being cremated is the best way to go. Because that actually zeroes out big chunks of your karma. Huh? Nobody told you that. Well, I'll be the first. When you are buried in the earth, the karma, your karma, every single ounce of your karma gets almost like amplified because the earth is holding onto energies extremely well it's kind of like water and you know essentially by burying your body first you're tying kind of your soul to that body until it completely decays so even if there is a little bit of your bone left from a thousand years ago until it fully decays not a hundred percent of your soul can go back into like future incarnations so you you remain tied to this time-space reality but not just that right with 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 the fire like so and 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 because the earth holds on to that karma so well that karma you know next time you come back it's like right here and none of it was erased whereas via the process of cremation a your soul can leave right away because there's only ash and ash is not considered you ash is an element that goes back to feeding and nurturing the planet, right? So you're, you're completing your first... Do you remember how, like, even the phoenix bird goes into ash? Because ash is that final stage of something, right? So uh, you, you want to turn into ash, actually. That's a good thing, you guys, after death. Because that prevents your soul from being trapped here. Um, and also, it helps zero out big chunks of your karma. Um uh, The the, the fire just has that energy. In the same way that you would use fire to smudge and cleanse your space, you can use the fire to cleanse your soul, if that makes sense, via the process of cremation. So I highly recommend that as a way to go. But there are some people that are really, really scared of that. And that is how you know that their relationship with the element of fire is completely not optimized. Now, one thing I will tell you is enough of you, just because this is highly esoteric content, For this episode in particular. So enough of you that have been attracted to this kind of content. This is not your first rodeo you guys. You are probably you know. Either very old souls. Or you know you're just not a simple soul. If you got attracted to the uh, uh, episode about salamanders. Which means that most likely. You either have some special abilities. And by special quote unquote. I mean like clairvoyance clairvoyance. You know those types of things. And you didn't, don't just have it in this life. Most likely you had it in your past lives. Which means, wink, wink, most likely one of those lives you were a witch and you were burned at the stake. There is The chances of that are pretty, pretty high. So some of you may have a disjointed, disbalanced relationship with a, an element of fire just because of that. Not for nothing, you guys. Not for nothing, right? So for those of you that, you know... and. I'm seeing what's happening to your bodies, your physical bodies. Some of you who are listening to this podcast right now, and you know exactly who you are, are giving you a response to this. Chills, your hair is just, you know, you're rising and getting tingles right about now. Because some of you need to go and heal those past lives with being burned at the stake. Because it could have messed up your relationship with the fire element. Because you started blaming the fire for taking your life instead of laying the blame where it was due, which was the people really that did that. It wasn't the fire that killed you, right? So I encourage you to go and heal it. But the question was, right, how do I know if I have karma, you know, if I'm trying to talk to the embers of the salamanders, how do I know that I have karma? A, assume that you do have karma, collective karma of humanity, right? Uh, even if you were never an alchemist and never trapped a single elemental in your life, which most of you haven't, by the way, the alchemists were a very, very, very small part of the human population. However, the amount of torture that they caused to these creatures was immensely large, right? And so even a small drop of that torture on the collective level is a lot of torture and a lot of karma. So assume, right? Assume that There is a little bit of a disbalanced relationship between you and fire. And so as you're working with these creatures, start with an offering. Give them some sage. Thank them for their service to you. Thank them for helping you, you know, make food and warm up your food. Thank them for being able to, you know, sage your apartment, right? So start with an offering. And in your offering tell them that you recognize that there is some shared karma and you recognize that a member of your species or two caused them pain in the past. And it is your intention to move beyond that and to move past that and help rebuild that relationship from scratch.
0: And that's that.
1: Alrighty, you guys. Well, thank you so much for sticking around. I know this has been terribly long. Um, I hope it was interesting If you want to provide me feedback on this episode, DM me on Instagram at ThisIsMariaOfficial. I love hearing from you. And I will see you in the next
0: episode. Thanks so much. Bye. Thank you so much for listening to Conversations with My Higher Self podcast. We hope that you enjoyed this episode. Please visit ThisIsMaria.com for more insights and offerings from Maria and Sergey. It is T-H-I-S-I-S-M-A-R-I-Y-A dot com. We hope to see you in future episodes.